and welcome to session six of the wellbeing journey. Today we're looking at relational wellbeing and I'm going to be heading up north to chat to Paul McGee and Simon is in London with Rachel Jordan-Wolf. Now throughout our lives we schedule our time, our energy, our commitments, our jobs and many aspects of who we are around the people we spend time with. Now those connections are absolutely key to our overall well-being. Relationships really do matter but not all relationships are the same, are they Simon? Spot on, Joanna, because I've experienced, as I'm sure you have, a wide range of different relationships over the years. The most valuable ones being those I've invested the time in, those who've invested in me, those whom I've done life with. And yet, I also love meeting new people, like my work colleagues, the guys behind the cameras here, and sometimes just random people at the school gate or maybe at parties. These are also really important relationships. So, what is this need for connection all about? And why is it so important to our well-being? Well, I'm off to Shoreditch to see Rachel Jordan-Wolf, who's going to help answer some of these questions. This is lovely, Rachel. Back garden? Eh? Well, this is the park. That is the back garden. Oh, that's the back garden. Yeah, but liking this setup, I feel yeah. like a little... A little kind of outside lounge could be jolly, huh? You'd be talking differently if this was January, let me tell you that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about relationships. How important are they to our overall sense of well-being? Critical, I think, would be a really simple answer. But it's really interesting, actually, when people, when you study um, relationships, the people are like psychologists, look at them, how vitally important they are to us. I mean, in my own personal life, I look back and I think, where would I be without my closest family and friends? So ultimately, the reason the relationships are so important is because of how God made us. It's not an accident. And that's because God is actually a relational being. Yeah. Did God wire us to be in relationships? Right way, way back, at the very beginning of how everything began, there is a relationship of love and mutual concern and understanding. God then said, I'm going to make people in my image. So because we're in God's image and we look like God and are like God, we have that relational hardwiring right in us to be at our best with loving, uh, mutual understanding relationships, just like God at the core of our being. And so we're hardwired for a relationship with God, vertical relationship and a horizontal relationships, relationships with other people. And actually we need both of those to be healthy and for our ultimate well-being. But when it comes to relationships, it's not a numbers game, is it? Because you'll hear people, oh, I've got 200 friends on Facebook. But actually what's more important, surely, is it's, it's the strength of those relationships rather than the number. Yeah, so there's a psychologist called Henry Cloud who wrote a book called The Power of the Other. And in that, he talks a bit like pseudo connection, which is a bit like what you were saying. We've got 200 friends on Facebook, da, da, da. surely, surely this is working for me, pseudo good connection. But actually, you've kind of got this plethora of relationships, but none of them, are actually good enough. They're, they, they're temporary, they're superficial, they're not a place you can be your authentic self. In fact, they're often a place where you're your guarded self. You're maybe just putting your best image forward. And so what we're all made for is something called true connection. That is the place which you can do with a few people, which is when you're your real self or your authentic self, uh, a place of both mutual love and understanding where you can do your, I guess, the deep things when it's not working, when life isn't good, as well as the good things. And a place where you could be suitably vulnerable 
And that is true connection. And actually, we do need to make sure that we've got that true connection in our lives. Rachel, there may be some people watching this who will listen to you and us talking about having different groups of friends like Jesus did, those that we are able to be open, honest and vulnerable with. And they'll be going, I've not got a single friend, let alone different groups of friends. What do we say to them when we're talking about the importance of relationships to well-being? Well, God and his great plan, he planned something called the church. The church um, has an amazing group of people. That's what it is actually, at heart. It isn't the building. Often we can make that mistake about these buildings that we see, we can call them churches. That isn't what the church is. The church is a beautiful family of really amazing people who are trying to follow the plan of God for their lives. And the invitation goes out from God to join his church. Actually, when we follow Jesus, we become part of that family. And um, the, the, the words that God the Father uses to describe us are actually, we're all brothers and sisters. And that's how we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be within church, like a really intimate family. Now, obviously, not on a scale, if you go to the church, some churches have quite a lot of people in them. Yeah. You can't know all the people that yeah. well. But within that group, we're supposed to belong to a group, if you like, a, a smaller group that could be like family for us. And so the invitation goes to anyone who is lonely and who's struggling with friendship. Why don't you come and try the church? And within that group, there'll be one or two people that actually you can be vulnerable with, you can trust your life with, you can begin to build relationships that last for a lifetime. Friendships that last for a lifetime, actually brothers and sisters, because that was God's idea. The church is a family. Rachel, so much to reflect on. Thank you so much. And as we do reflect on what Rachel's been saying, I think it's worth recognising that we just can't be everyone to everybody, but who fits into what level? Because we're all gonna have relationships in which we're struggling and those relationships that are absolutely flourishing. The key question though, is which are the relationships worth investing in most? Well, Joe's been heading north to find out a little bit more. So good to be in your kitchen. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really pleased with this kitchen. I'd love to say I built it myself, but I didn't. But it's. Uh, it's all right. We are talking about relational well-being. So I want to know the relationship between you and your kitchen. How strong is it? How strong is the bond? Um, is my wife going to see this filming? I, I mean, there's a chance that she <laughs> might. <laughs> I love this kitchen and I love eating in this kitchen and enjoying all the delicious meals my wife makes in this kitchen. <laughs> so I have a very strong emotional relational strong, bond strong to it. Bond. Now, so tell me, now you've been thinking a lot about um, relational well-being and I, I just want to know how important is it to our overall well-being? Well, it's interesting. You saw Milo, my cat, earlier, my lovely cat. And what's really interesting about Milo is when he was born as this little kitten, he latches onto his mum for a little bit of milk. And before you know it, weeks later, he's, he's independent and he's away from his mum. Um, and creatures can be a little bit like that. But when you think about when, when we're born, um, we're born completely helpless. We are dependent on others for our survival. But then I think from an emotional point of view, you could almost argue we need people to help us survive, particularly when we're very young and vulnerable. 
but we need relationships to thrive in terms of our uh, emotional well-being. It's just inbuilt into our very DNA that yeah. we need people. I have to use the phrase, humans need humans. Yeah. So not all relationships are the same. There's different kind of levels of relationship. Talk to us about what they look like and how to navigate those. I think it's a really good question because we, we do have different kinds of relationships and you've got those those very intimate, what you might call your inner circle. One of the things that I think can easily happen is we, we take for granted that these relationships that we have will automatically be good. Mm -hmm. And I often use this phrase, no investment, no return. Yeah. And, and sometimes what happens is you're so busy looking after the peripheral relationships, those more social connections, mm -hmm. sometimes the most, those acquaintances, that sometimes then you neglect the real key relationships. And I, I spend a lot of time speaking at events. And, and one of the things that I've realized in my marriage, you know, my intimate relationship with my wife and with my two children, is that at times I thought my clients got the best of me, but my family got the dregs of me. And so, hang on a minute, you're investing in certain relationships, which is good, but at what cost, at what price? And it's important to keep on never taking those intimate, close relationships for granted. You know, there's that phrase, the grass is always greener, where it's watered. Yeah. And therefore, I think there needs to be, I mean, I, I talk about, I call it a life blend model. And, I, and, I, and part of that blend is about your work, it's about your, your contribution, your giving, about your recreation, but it's also about your relationships. Mm. And just being mindful Every week, I will reflect on those four quadrants. And the one that often can get overlooked, if I'm not careful, is about those relationships, because we're so caught up in the pace of life and the busyness of life and the, the challenges that are placed on us. And yet, I would say this, our biggest source of joy, as well as our biggest source of pain, comes from our relationships, it really does. Often, those relationships can cause conflict, you know, sometimes we, we're, we're in relationships with people and we don't always see things the same way. How would you, you know, advise us how to, how to navigate that? Well, you know I'm an, an absolutely outstanding, take us, please take a sip. Oh, thank you. Because oh, you are hot. just about to, it's, it's, it's fine, you, just blow, 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 blow. Okay. okay. <laughs> just smell <laughs> the aroma. Okay, I'm smelling it. But to illustrate what your, my answer to your question, yeah. in my... Uh, in my oven, I have a beach ball. Of course you do. Of course you do. Where else would a man from the north keep a beach ball? But the reason why I explain this is, imagine that we've got an issue between us. We're talking about something. But what's really interesting is, from your perspective, you're seeing the same issue, this metaphor of the beach ball, but you're seeing red, yellow, and orange. And, and as far as you're concerned, those are the three colors. You're seeing red, yellow, and orange. That's your perspective. And yet I'm looking at the very same issue as you, and I'm seeing blue, white, and green. And, and what, where the conflict can occur is because we, we believe that, well, if I'm seeing things one way and you're seeing them another, we, we can't be both right. One of us has to be wrong, and it's clearly not me who's wrong, it's clearly you. And yet one of the things I talk about is let's take some time out to understand and appreciate where other people are coming from and just take a little bit of time out to understand their side of the beach ball yeah. and, and to appreciate that there's all kinds of things that influence why we see things differently. You know, our baggage, our beliefs, our, our personality, our age, even just where we're at emotionally that day, but also to recognise that 
it's okay sometimes to see things differently from each other and you might not even agree ultimately but does it mean automatically one of us has to be wrong because sometimes you know you can maybe both be right yeah and it's about yeah understanding all right that's very kind of you <laughs> catching on very very quickly <laughs> But it's about me understanding your side of the beach ball, but it's also yeah. me turning it around so you clearly see my perspective. Yeah. Because I think we can make an assumption that people are mind readers mm. and they're not. Yeah. One of the biggest problems in terms of our relationships is I think at times having unrealistic expectations. All of this stuff, when we're not getting it right sometimes, we're not seeing things from each other's perspective, it can lead to a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness, a lot of broken yeah. relationships. How do we navigate that when it just has gone too far and, you know, we need to stop and actually address some of the broken, brokenness in our lives? Sure. I think one, yes, we do need to forgive, but that isn't just a one moment instant act. It's an ongoing process. And I think forgiveness, believe it or not, is not actually to benefit the other person or the other party. It's ultimately to benefit you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean you instantly feel better mm. because it is a process to work through. But you know, there's this phrase, life can leave you bitter or it can make you better. And that ultimately is a choice and it's a hard one because we want to punish the other person for hurting us. Mm. But I think what we don't always appreciate is that when we're trying to punish someone else, we're actually punishing ourselves even more. Yeah. It's been really good chatting to you, Paul. And my tea's still really hot. Oh, one little tip. Yeah, go on. One final tip. So don't forget, you want the beach, beach ball on 180, yeah. 30 minutes. Okay. Don't make the tea too hot if it's for a southerner, because right. they're a little bit not as sensitive as, as, as men. But here's another little phrase, because we love our technology. But let me just leave you with this mm. one. In a world of iPhones and iPads, don't ever underestimate the impact and the importance of eyeballs. I like that. It's a good one, isn't it? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna use that. Can I use it? Your case, even better than BT. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. It was so good chatting to Paul. I love his story and it gives me hope that even though we might have broken, painful relationships in our lives or things that have happened to us that aren't right, we don't have to let those things define us. It's really, really great. But now I'm in here in uh, Liverpool, which is uh, a little bit wet, but I'm going to meet Kate Wharton, who is the vicar of St Bartholomew's Church, who's going to chat to us a little bit more about relational well-being. Okay, it's so nice to be here in your church. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're really welcome. It's great to have you here. Yeah, we're loving it. Um, we've been thinking about relational well-being, and I just wanted to get your take on why is it so important? Why it's so important for us to have good relationships? Well, relationships are just so important, aren't they, to, to all of life? Um, it, we see it right at the beginning of the Bible um, when we hear God say, uh, it's not good for the man to be alone. And, and actually, I think that's true for all of us. It's not good for us to be alone. And uh, relationships of any sort are important, I think. And that might be family relationships, that might be friends, colleagues, people at church, people like neighbours. But we all need other people in our lives. We need people to connect with, people who know us, 
Yeah. Our relationships don't just happen, do they? Sometimes they need a little bit of work. So talk to us about how you can identify the relationships to invest in and the ones that are just, you know, the different types of relationships that we can have. Yeah, well, I think that's it. It's a great question, isn't it? Because there are lots of different types of relationships. Not every relationship is the same. Uh, we can't invest to the same degree in every relationship. And probably um, throughout our lives, we'll have loads and loads of different friendships and different relationships, and that's okay. There's a question about what, what it is that we're looking for in a friendship, and that can help us to work out which ones we invest in at different times. So there might be people who are in our lives for a particular season because we're going through a particular experience together. You might have a really good friend while you're doing a college course. Yeah. Um, there might be friends that you've met because you're going through a particular life, especially with having a baby at the same time, you become friends. You might stay friends forever, but you might not. Yeah. But I think there are some friendships that uh, are the strong, kind of long-lasting friendships that live with us um, for a long time, that we really do invest in and make the effort to, um, to try to grow and nurture and encourage. And I think it can be very hard, can't it, if you're um, struggling with your own uh, well-being, your own mental health, uh, your own self-esteem, it obviously is hard to make a new friend or to, because that requires um, building up your courage and stepping out and going for it and you might not feel able to do that. So I think that's hard and I think that's where communities can help a bit. Right. So, you know, one of those might be the church community or it might be a, a workplace community or a family community or w whatever. But, but I think a, a community of people that sort of gathers around and almost facilitates friendship in some way. And I think helps people to build up their own individual confidence and, and courage and also to build up their own, um, their own well-being and their own resilience. Right. Yeah, you talked about resilience. So what about when things in our friendships, you know, or with family members, we fall out? How can we move forward from that? Yeah, it's really tricky, isn't it? Um, I think um, a friend of mine, I'm not sure this is a real word, but I think it ought to be a real word. A friend of mine talks about not being offendable. Ah. Um, so we should try to be people who are not offendable. Nice. And I think that's a really kind of biblical godly kind of characteristic actually to not be somebody who easily takes offense mm. and so to be somebody who forgives easily mm. um, who uh, is willing to be reconciled and I think again uh, like I said earlier um, the need for openness and honesty sometimes you just got to name those things and I'm I'm really a fan of that of, of just kind of naming the stuff and um, so naming it when we've done something wrong I'm really sorry I'm really sorry I know that I said that thing that I shouldn't have done I know that I I, I spoke to somebody else about you instead of coming to you. I know that I, whatever it is, I, I'm sorry. And just being fully honest about that. But then equally the other way around, being willing to say, that's okay, I'm sorry. Let's draw a line under that, let's, let's move on. So I think there's a real need. I think the, the difficulty comes when we, when we do just bear that grudge and when we kind of get a bit passive aggressive. I'm not gonna mention it, it's fine, it's all fine. It's not fine, but it can be fine if we talk about it and sort of it out into the open. I love that, that we can be the ones to say sorry as well. I think people are often just waiting, aren't they, for somebody else to apologise to me for that. But actually, we all have our part to play in it. Relationships are two-way. Let's just touch on the use of social media and, you know, how, how can that affect our relational well-being? So many effects, I think. It's, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? I love social media. Um, I'm a, an extrovert uh, and um, I live on my own. And sometimes those things happen and you just think, I just want to tell someone this. And I post things on um, social media and it's kind of quite nice because people can respond. Yeah. 
and I, you know, I really like it, but it can't actually be everything we need relationally. Yeah, and not looking for our affirmation from it, I suppose. If Absolutely. Not people that we really know. Kate, it's been so good chatting to you. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you. Thank you for the tea. Oh, you're very welcome. Relational well-being. That's how we do. And that's how we go. Are you rolling? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, tell me when you're ready. It's been great to chat to Kate. I'm heading back down south to catch up with Simon, and boy, have I learned a lot today. Come on, Ian, how much does that weigh? It's a fair odd weight. Yeah, it's good for the guns, aren't it? You keep telling us oh, about yeah. the guns, well, eh? Good hey? for the show. You got your tickets? <laughs> no, no, listen, we are. Joanna, we're working, honestly, honestly, but, you know, being serious for a moment, the, the working environment that we find ourselves in a lot of the time can be a really, really good place. Come on, guys, let's oh, crack on. I was going to say build good relationships. I've got a bossy director, I'm coming. Happy now, Jay? Crack on, fella. He's a top bloke, really. Being vulnerable is something that is so, so important in healthy relationships, but if I'm honest, particularly as men, it's not something we're always comfortable with. You know, my closest friends have seen me in the worst possible states. I think back to 2017 when my wife died very suddenly. My friends were alongside me when I was at my most broken, my most vulnerable. I was a hard guy to love in those weeks and months after those events of November 2017. And I guess the love they showed me was all about the relationship they had with me. They cared for me and they were okay to sit alongside me when I was vulnerable and broken. They showed me love. And you know, in all relationships, loving someone when it's going well isn't particularly hard, but loving them when things aren't going so well is a whole lot harder. You might be feeling there's one particular relationship or actually at the moment, a number of relationships that you want to focus on following this session. You know, it's funny how sometimes we suddenly think about someone. Maybe it's someone we haven't heard from in ages, but something just prompts us to get back in touch. Or maybe someone is right at the forefront of your thinking right now and you're like, I need to speak to them. Oh, hello, Joe. Simon. Welcome back, Joanna. It's great to see you. Yeah. That's massively enthusiastic, but right. I, 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 it is genuine. It's like a genuine relationship. That I mean was, it. That was very bleepy. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. It's been so long. We're rolling back the years. How was it? Yeah, it was really, really good. I've, what, had, a, I've had a great time. What have you taken from it? I chatted to um, Paul McGee mm. earlier, and I loved to do this thing with the beach ball. Yeah. And how you can look at something from one side of it and see something completely different to what I'm seeing, but if we turn it around, we can see each other's perspectives. And I think that's really important to mm. remember, there's not always a right or wrong, but just stepping out of ourselves and putting ourselves in someone else's shoes can be really important in our relationships, yeah. so that we're not clashing heads all the time, that we just step back and think, well, how might you be seeing this situation? It can just eliminate a lot of conflict, which is really good. But the other thing, I know you said one thing, but I'm yeah. just giving you another. Yeah, you go for it, um, go for it. just the fact that I really feel like our relationships are really worth working on. It's mm. kind of like my garden. Like if I just leave it, it's gonna be weeds Trouble. central, yeah. Yeah. which it has been for a long time. Although now we've got gravel. <laughs> um, but actually it needs constant time and investment yeah, for it to stay nice and to stay healthy and yeah. just like that with my friendships mm. and my relationships even with my you know family members i need to kind of keep investing in them and i'm really up for that so yeah that's what i'm taking away and i think that that is so true because we, we get kind of sold this this narrative that relationships just happen like that yeah. that you just 
say it's a marriage or a partnership, you just fall in love and it's all rosy from there on in. But but like looking after your garden or looking after your car, getting it in service every year, yeah. you've got to invest in it. And you've got to invest in relationships because when the tough times come, you're able to yeah. surf the storm a bit better. Yeah. I wonder what these guys have taken away from today's session. Have a think about what you can do in your relationships. Maybe there's somebody who you need to get in touch with. Why don't you do that now? Next week, we'll focus on money and how our attitude to our finances can have serious implications on our well-being. Well done. Nice bit of rugby playing there. Yeah, well, that was good. <laughs> <laughs>